Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Do you not do you not want to eat our pork? Yeah, because our pork's still good. Like, yeah, the pork that doesn't le- care what you believe. Really, a lefty pork, leftist pork. <laughs> Can't believe I'm eating lefty pork. <laughs> world welcome back to another extreme episode of the amera podcast getting getting more extreme extremer and extremer i might take out that extreme word i don't know i don't know if it's gonna be extreme but we got <laughs> we got special guest in the house tonight an old friend of ours from high school isaac minobla thank you for joining us hey, hey hey thanks for having me yeah it's good to see all you guys faces it's been a long time Yes. Yeah, it certainly has. Yeah. Too long. The pandemic hasn't helped all of that either. Yeah. But no. Well, the rock and roll is about to pick back up, ladies and gentlemen. We got the original crew in the house, minus John Anderson, who's doing anti-hacking shit, believe it or <laughs> Fighting not. Fighting the Russians. <laughs> Fighting the Russians. <laughs> Nothing's new. Make, making him sound <laughs> real cool. And uh, uh, with me out in the Colorado area we have john kelly how are you today sir oh great just doing fine doing fine glad to be here again sorry i missed last week but i'm glad to be back no sorry it's okay good to see that face and hear that smooth rich voice Mm. and Mm. our west coast correspondent tyler tyler grillo yeah how are you sir doing all right doing all right Glad glad to be here you uh uh, it's good to be back with Isaac. It's been years since we've talked to see each other, so excited for our conversation. Gotta say, I didn't even notice you with your crazy beard and your long hair. But you look great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I've hippified <laughs> since uh, it looks good, we right? saw each other. Also, I like the extreme theme, Blake. I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel with entertainment these days and watching an old season of Big Brother in which, like, they has a, the dude gets a punishment where he has to be, like, this extreme superhero for, like, multiple weeks. <laughs> And every they'll over the loudspeakers, they'll just be like extreme, and he has to get up and go extreme at whatever he's doing, or he gets disqualified. And okay. then he, fi- he finds out that his wife is pregnant while that's happening, so he's like in an extreme unitard, like with like this giant X on his head, and like bawling his eyes out, so happy that he's having a child. It's amazing. That's extreme. That's yeah, that's extreme. <laughs> Maybe too much yes. for us to live up to. Uh, Damn, Isaac wins. <laughs> Isaac wins. So today is Thursday, February 4th, 2021, and it's episode 138. And we have our special guest here today, Mr. Isaac Minobla from Del Norte, Colorado. And uh, he is with Soul Mountain Farm in South Fork and was recently, just at the end of last year, mentioned in the Denver Post article regarding, you guessed it, Black Lives Matter. That's right. Good guess. So we're here today to uh, kind of touch back on some of that. Um, Obviously, this is not a new issue and it's not an old one. And uh, still, if you read this Denver Post article, which we'll put in the show notes, you'll see it really highlights just how uh, Black Lives Matter is really revealing a lot of skeletons in a lot of closets, not just on on a large scale, but in our smaller communities 100 percent. like how how it's differently perceived by different people in different communities and how it's interpreted right as a movement in general yeah. i think we tried to touch on this multiple times in past episodes where it's depending on who who you are and where you 
think you fit into society, you really view that movement very differently than how other people view it. Um, but we'll we'll go ahead and let Isaac give a, a quick introduction of himself and uh, give us a, a quick yeah. uh, view of you know what it was like uh, in southwestern Colorado. Yeah, tell us your story. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for having me. Exciting being here. I was telling John Kelly earlier that it's just a little wearisome just seeing the, the eagle and the American flag, but <laughs> read up on your uh, website and you guys are doing some really cool things. So it's unfortunate that the right wingers can kind of give the American flag and eagle a, a bad name, but yeah, yeah, bringing it, bring it back. Yeah, we're taking it back. <laughs> isn't it weird how now they've gone so far past, hey, we love the flag that we'll just change it? During our rallies to like a, a black yeah, flag with totally. a blue line on it. It means the same thing to them. Good point. Right. So anyways, yeah, so I'm a farm manager at Soul Mountain Farm in South Fork. We raise pigs and vegetables and hemp. Uh, we also do landscaping. And I've been here for five years now in the San Luis Valley. And it's an amazing place. But yeah, we've uh, been putting on the South Fork Friday market on every season for the last six years so we've been the organizers of that and uh you know we try to get as many farmers to come there's a lot of craft people making different arts and crafts and uh um yeah we've got a lot of different vendors from all over that are pretty stoked to be there just because we have put a lot of work into bringing this market um together and uh we've gotten this awesome grant from usda that has helped us really up our infrastructure and like we're starting to get music and different things like that. Oh, um, cool. I didn't know that. That's so, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been good. And for, for our listeners who are outside of Colorado, the San Luis Valley is a wonderfully beautiful place, but also a really important agricultural center in the state of Colorado. Lots of, you know, important uh, products are produced in that area. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy, place because you know it's it is pretty conservative um it's actually got the most center pivot farming center pivots in uh per capita in the world in the san Luis mm -hmm. valley so there's a lot of potatoes and barley and canola going down here but <laughs> and then there's little farms like us that are trying to do a lot of permaculture techniques and re regenerative ag and um, just trying to make the healthiest soil possible so that we can, you know, grow the highest quality food for the community that needs it and, you know, raise the really high quality pork for, for the community. And medicine, too, just like CBD that we've been growing. So um, it's an interesting place. But, yeah, with all those huge farms, it brings a lot of conservative people here to the rural communities. And that's why we moved to Del Norte a year ago, and um, I feel a lot, a lot better here. It's just a more liberal and younger crowd that kind of understands what's going on now with the Black Lives Matter movement and um, how, yeah, how we kind of need to start stepping up because you know, a lot of people are, are not. And yeah, like yeah. You said, a lot, there's a lot of skeletons coming out of the closet. It's kind of scary so to uh just review this pretty fascinating article that was released by the denver post in october last year october 18th it kind of kicked off with uh isaac and your brother wyatt, wyatt. yeah what wyatt. up wyatt? wyatt 
good Quiet. dude yeah and um basically what you guys were doing was they were at a farmer's market of which they had helped organize from the beginning so they weren't just farm vendors they were you know organizers and they were collecting donations for uh black lives matter and they ended up they ended up uh encountering somebody who did not want to they 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 were awfully defensive about you guys being there asking for donations and they uh brought it to the town just like the town manager yeah they they so there's a complaint that went into like the town administrator and the administrator um contacted the farm i believe and asked you to stop uh, or they would ban you from the market um which you so organize, this is, which is right which again they organized yeah. so so uh, I believe where the article in the Denver Post left off was that the ACLU was going to pick up your case. So you want to just kind of fill in the gaps of uh, where that's developed since October? Uh, sure. So, yeah, we were taking donations for Black Lives Matter. We, we didn't really make that much money in donations, but, you know, we were just trying to educate people and have conversations that we felt needed to be, be talked about because... I have a really hard time like finding what I can do to help in the cause. And so we just ended up taking donations that day just to see what would happen. So after someone would buy something, we would ask them if they wanted to donate to BLM. And, you know, we actually ended up getting into some really amazing conversations with, you know, people that were more liberal, but also on the conservative side. And, you know, we were having these discussions with both parties and it was, it was kind of a really cool thing that I've never really been a part of before. Um, and then, yeah, one woman at the market, she she kind of freaked out on my brother for asking, just asking if he, she wanted to give a donation to BLM. And um, she said she would never purchase anything again from Soul Mountain Farm, which she like bought a bag of kale. So they didn't really care anyways. It's like, someone else will buy that bag that respects us. But yeah, so she went in and talked to the town manager who she's like friends with, the, administration there and they came up with this policy um just saying that we can't solicit donations from any town property um and they said if you choose to argue this point we will simply remove you as the organizers of the market which we thought was kind of ridiculous because we have put the market on for six years and you know we've started it and we've kept it going and um created a really amazing event they they have like three events in the whole year at south fork one of them being rhythms on the rio music festival which we are on the board on as well the farmer's market and then logger days um so one of three events in the in the town you think would you know we would get some respect because we're helping bring community together and um this and that but anyways after they sent this letter we we just asked for the minutes for the meeting and they told us that there was no minutes because it was a it wasn't a real meeting it was like a, an, a verbal meeting or something right more of an so impromptu like no, gathering of a couple people <laughs> that had, yeah, had a talk there was no written yeah. policy this, <laughs> right. this policy was verbal wow and so after we heard that we were like okay we need to get aclu involved or we 
we just tried to get them involved. Um, but we were like, they've got way too much on their plate. You know, they've, they're busy with so many other things. So, um, yeah, our amazing operations manager, Angela Lee, she was the one that reached out to ACLU and they got back in touch with us and were interested in taking the case. And, um, cool. so they just started helping us kind of figure out what we needed to be doing and basically wrote a letter to the town of South Fork, just saying that, um, this is completely arbitrary, what you guys did. Uh, you need to rescind this policy because it is against our first amendment, right? You're allowed to take donations from any organization whenever you want. And, you know, this policy that they created, that means that even the the Greater South Fork Foundation can't take any donations for, you know, tables or chairs or whatever they do fundraisers for. Right. <laughs> right. What the, yeah, what they're doing, yeah, they're effectively banning all sorts of donations on public land <laughs> in the town, yeah. period. You can't like, even, <laughs> like, get Girl Scout cookies, you know? Right. Like, you Ask for Girl Scout cookies or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah, we don't want to go crazy. down that road. No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I will I will so, say one thing, one thing that's, you know, a, I was interested in and one thing that I'm I'm glad you brought up was just kind of the conversations you were having and the fact that most of it was civil or at least somewhat civil when you're actually talking one-on-one with people, which I think is a really important um thing to bring up in today's just polity in general how we discuss politics oftentimes you know differing views are really met with a lot of hostility but when you get down to a personal level and you talk to people one-on-one it's much more of an open conversation a lot of the time than it would be in in a larger group or if you have one person who's really really pissed off about a certain issue that might come in and be like you know you can't have any kind of discussion here and solicit donations but most of the time people are like yeah i'm at least willing to talk about it talk about my views of what's happening and um right listen to you and maybe think about it and you know it's and if we were taking donations for just say for like trump or something like nobody would say anything you know like people probably would give us a bunch of money because we're doing this in a super white conservative town where you know it's a lot of older people from texas mostly honestly and mm-hmm. and so it's just tough yeah i mean those I, guys I really... ski with jeans just throwing that out there those guys <laughs> ski with jeans. they do ski with jeans <laughs> jeans and a cowboy hat uh i mean i really respect you for doing that work out there you know there's there's been uh a uh, number of articles written by different folks black folks and, and other folks as well about how like you know, uh, one of the most impactful things uh, that we can do as as white folks or folks who benefit from white privilege is to have these conversations with other white folks, especially in smaller communities, right? Because they tend to skew uh, rural majority white communities tend to skew conservative, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, this is like this is the fucking work right here, and I and that's and I honor you for that. And I also feel like it's just such an interesting example of like you know when we out here in the bay we use a lot of terms and they don't always land well in other parts of the country i acknowledge this um but like you know people don't always understand like what is often meant by like white supremacy it's like okay we don't necessarily mean like oh if you're a white supremacist that usually means you're like openly like you know don't like black people or think they're lesser or whatever other people call uh, yeah maybe you're holding the nazi symbol on your keychain 
right. as right. like, like a style, a, like as a, like a cool style yeah. thing. Yeah. It'd be a white supremacist, right? But white supremacy in itself is also referring to the systems, right? That that keep whiteness and uh, white people having certain privileges over others, right? And I feel like this example you gave is such a perfect one where it's like this person just went to someone who they knew and it's like an agreed upon cultural thing that we're like, yeah, like we can't have like advocacy for black lives happening in our community. So we're going to use the mechanisms of the institutions that were set up most likely by white people to further benefit us as white people and subvert and oppress uh bipoc folks right like those are the mechanisms of white supremacy and like you know challenging those in all communities especially rural communities like that is where the real transformation i think you know happens long term in terms of social like structural change yeah oh yeah totally man and you know there's it's like 94 percent white in south fork so there's there's no people of color on the board, you know, there's just, there's no other, other people from, you know, these different populations and cultures that, that can have a say or anything in South Fork. And that's a huge problem, you know, it's like, it's just white people that, no other white people that are going to basically be racist, but do it in ways that are suppressing, like oppressing and suppressing people of color. Hundred percent, and I mean it, it spirals, and you can see it when you look at conservative media news outlets, and you look at small communities. Their type of insular attitude continues to spiral them into more more extreme methods, right? So, like going out and actually, even being you know a, a non person of color trying to have these conversations with people at least opens the door to them to think about it differently, right? It gets them out of their Fox News-centric viewpoint that Black Lives Matter is nothing but a terrorist organization that's trying to topple hmm. the United States, right? When right. The, the majority of what Black Lives Matter is, is that it needs to be fair. People can't get shot in the street just because of their skin color, right? Very right. clear and easy kind of demands that are human rights, basic human rights for people, right? But, yeah. you know, insular communities that don't interact with it that way don't see it that way. And it's hard for them to approach uh, kind of a different viewpoint without having those tough conversations, which are much better to do more interpersonally than unfortunately on a large scale which is probably what yeah. more people need yeah it's just this awareness that you know people of color are being shot like 10 times as much as as white people and there's just all of this corruption going on and it's just crazy that people don't don't see that or like have empathy for for these these people of color and things it's, well it's really sad and we get kelly you mentioned something that i think ties into that like it contributes to the reason why people don't make like they're not connecting these dots is because that that lady or whoever it was at the farmer's market that you were at Isaac um, that person that got so defensive that you were collecting a donation for Black Lives Matter they may have genuinely thought that that like Black Lives Matter is like ISIS like Antifa is like ISIS you see what I'm saying so like they may genuinely think because of their understanding right or wrong, right? That you are collecting money for a terrorist organization. So to them, that is very offensive. Like imagine if you found 
somebody actually collecting donations for ISIS. Like, hey, like, go fund me so I can go take a plane yeah, across I, to I, Europe. I'm setting up a booth you know? next to the Ku, Ku Klux Klan, right? And they're over there soliciting yeah. donations, right? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And so what brings me to my point is then that we have, like, fundamentally then not only, uh, t- like, like Isaac, you said, just being more aware and, like, a communication and, you know, why aren't people paying attention? But then tied into their smaller communities and their information bubbles, we just generally have like an education problem that we really have to deal with. Um, And like, why are we having this issue when we are in the 21st century and technology is where it is? And I guess it does come down to like the wealth gap and uh, discrepancies in in communities and demographics and who man uh, you are you are yeah, entering man. into territory that is big questions on the t- box yeah i mean you like you could write a thesis about what you just sure. asked what got us to this point and there's hundreds of books um i mean but. yeah it's been crazy because we've actually been doing some protests we were back when the george floyd riots were happening and brianna taylor and all that was going on and yeah, like we we just didn't know what else to do, and like being a white person with white privilege, like I just we we just felt like we needed to do something, and you know, and that was what we ended up all doing, um, and we ended up going into the streets of Del Norte and you know holding up signs, and we were getting all sorts of people yelling white power and and all sorts of you know just people just being so disrespectful and we're just holding up signs like people telling us to get a job and saying like i work for my privilege it's like you know like you actually have white privilege you know you don't work for your privilege right you know the only work that went into your skin color was the sex that took place before (laughs) you were born (laughs) i mean that that could have been work that could have been work Work, we don't know we don't know those specifics it could have been work you know, one thing we've talked about on the pod before, and Isaac, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I don't know if I've still landed on this, but like, you know, we all grew up in a rural, I mean, everyone's like the most rural, but it's a, it's a rural, more rural community and certainly majority white. Um, and I'm like curious, like your thoughts, like what is the difference between like, you know, how can we engage with these sort of issues and live in the same world and come away and approach was, was so different, like engaging with these issues, right? Like supporting black lives and the movement versus other folks um, who also grew up in, who are white, who grew up in majority white rural communities. Like, I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but it's something I think about, you know, like what's the difference? Like how did we, di- how, how that divergence happened? I think I, I have trouble with that too and trying to still figure out what, what I can do to help with that. But yeah, like growing up in Evergreen, I really didn't even know that this kind of thing was happening and like that this oppression to, to people of color was like such a, such a thing. Like, I don't know, just the way that our education is too, like talking about, you know, slavery and things like that, that I just thought was like came and gone, but like that's still happening today. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a hard thing to try to, to figure out what to, to do, but I think having these these conversations is a really good place to start and having like conversations that are uncomfortable too, that, you know, maybe you wouldn't approach these people otherwise. And that's how we're trying to like figure out ways to do that by like 
you know, talking to the farmer's market, to all the very conservative white people and just like seeing what they have to say and just maybe, you know, trying to educate them a little bit on why we're supporting Black Lives Matter. And, um, yeah, it's like all, all we can do. There's, there's just so many people of color dying for, for no reason. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. Like on average, how many white, like conservative people do you actually get through to? Do you feel like? Um, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. We we would ask for donations. There'd be some people that would just say no and keep walking. You know, I, we did it after they would purchase something, which is kind of funny because they like would buy some pork and then we'd ask them and then they'd be all pissed at us. Like, (laughs) what? You guys support that? (laughs) I want my refund or something, but we we don't get refunds at the farmer's market. Do you not, do you not want to eat our pork? Yeah. Cause our pork is still good. (laughs) Yeah, the pork doesn't that care le- what you believe. Lefty pork, really. leftist pork. <laughs> Can't believe I'm eating lefty pork. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, we did end up like breaking a lot of barriers. Just like people kind of being defensive at first, and then just being right. like, "Hey, you right. know, we're just like here to talk to you about it, and like, what what do you think about it?" And you know, some people were like, "I just I think it's a terror organization and terrorist organization." And, you know, they'd have all these different conspiracy things and we would just tell them what, what we knew and why we were doing it. Like, I don't know, it's, it's hard to talk to them. But. You look at it historically and, you know, talking about how there's a lack of understanding of the historical context in this country of it, right? And why that's such an important part of what we're talking about is that these exact same conversations hmm. were happening in the 1960s. During the civil rights movements, there were these types of ideas that Martin Luther King was a domestic terrorist. They didn't use those terms, but that's basically what people on the right called him throughout the 1960s until his assassination. Right. So it's it's unfortunate that we're having these same type of conversations, but they are needed because they will repeat themselves. The hatred on one side or the fear on one side will continue to repeat itself down through the generations unless there's something. And what's I, I think really fascinating about the like psychological aspect about everything is that white people in general don't want to deal with the fact that their ancestors enslaved people. And yes. because they oh, think yeah. that yeah. it happened in the far past, which it didn't happen in the far past, it happened in the very recent past and still scars black communities to this day, that just because they weren't part of that one-on-one they bear no responsibility to address it today. And so they play victims in their own heads. As soon as anybody tries to bring it up, they get into this victim mode about it. And it's very hard to have those conversations Mm -hmm. with people once they get into the victim mode where it's not my fault. I'm not, you know, now you're persecuting me and my beliefs or something. Right. When, Mm -hmm. and those are very, very tough conversations to have. And I don't know if there is really a, a right answer besides, educating people more about the context of what slavery was in this country and how the history of black rights happened in this country, how immigrant rights happened in this country. Um, seems like that's the basis of the best way to do it going forward, but totally. man, it's, it's kind of, it's a tough road. <laughs> it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's the, okay, that's a good point. And Isaac, what you were saying, like it's these conversations, you know, I think the conversation, like as, as I reflect also just on my own, it's like, 
yeah, it's like my parents set some groundwork, I think, for how they raised me. But but then it was like, you know, really conversations. I think another, yeah, one of big pieces, a few pieces I look at my own life of like, how did, yeah, like, how did I like come committed to social justice? But one of them was definitely like conversations with people who challenged me, mm-hmm. but also were just like, also listening, right? Like, it's like listening, but also just like trying to have the conversation and pushing me, you know? And then I think it's like multiple drops in that bucket, you know, over time, you know? And it's like, we all kind of do our part. So having these conversations, like at the farmer's market, like, yeah, you're maybe not going to get into, be able to like talk about the full history of how, you know, the early colonies passed all these laws to differentiate between, uh, you know, free white indentured servants and free previously black slaves. Like, you're maybe not going to get at the nuances of that uh in historic con oh yeah 100 yeah yeah 100 but you can yeah. right but like mentioning certain statistics and having the conversation from an honest place like those mm-hmm. things add up like they really do you know yeah and like these things are still happening like right now i think it's like 65 percent of people who got vaccinated are, are white and mm-hmm. it's like less than 10 percent are black and it's like these things are still happening and it's just the system like you're saying it's just it's just stuck in the system and it's yeah. not going to change until we do some serious work and you know hopefully this new administration can help with that a little bit at least right i mean we just went backwards so far with with trump and it was just awful oh i'm sorry i thought trump i thought trump was the best president ever for black people since abraham lincoln he said that multiple times so i'm pretty sure it's got to be true i'm pretty sure it's got to be true i love the quote by biden this week, I, th- I think it was this week, he or this weekend when he was signing some executive orders, he said, I'm not writing new laws I, or I'm not creating new policy. I'm undoing bad policy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's got a lot of work on his plate for sure. Yeah, and man. Come on, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I got I to gotta tip his hat. He's uh, put people in his cabinet, people of color in his cabinet and indigenous people in his cabinet, which is great. Um, yeah. And he, he really, Biden really does seem to support bringing people to the table, um, which is exactly what we need as a country right now to try to heal the wounds that Trump so obviously put on display yeah. in this yeah. country. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Isaac, what was going through your head on January 6th when uh, the insurrection was going down? Uh, I didn't learn about it until that night, you know, living in the rural countryside down here it's hard to get your news <laughs> right when it happens but right yeah when we found out i was just dumbfounded that that actually happened and then just seeing like the videos on social media and things of just the police letting them in and and just like yeah. the disrespect that they were doing and uh it was just awful man so yeah yeah i don't know man i don't know what, what to say about it but it's that's a big, t- tough thing for everybody and if, i think people are still a bunch dealing of black with people it. Jump, yeah. jumping in there they would not have their lives that's for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you can almost guarantee that. that yeah you can almost guarantee yeah. that yeah. um and man I, I, it's an interesting thing I've, I've tried to talk with more and more people about that right about january 6th and what happened because there's there's certainly a, a group of people in the united states that are very in tune to what happened and are very passionate about it. But there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, okay. And have kind of moved on from it a little bit, but it takes, it takes time both as an individual and a country to really come to terms with what that means. Mm -hmm. Right. The fact that there could seriously be an armed insurrection 
that could happen at the state that at the United States Capitol in D.C. that they could, you know, whether they were fully let in through all barricades or pushed their way through could potentially go in there and start executing members of Congress. Right. It's right. like it's a crazy thing to see happen. I never thought I'd see it in the United States. That's what you expect to see in other countries that are not supposedly yeah. supposed to be the beacon of democracy. But what it does is lay bare at our feet. The I think it, really the inequalities that are in our system currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives us all an opportunity to be better. Right. Right. Um, at, at, at the end of the day, because all of us being better citizens of this country is going to make that better. Because you're not going to have those extremist idiots. Thank God most of the people in that crowd were fucking morons. Or else it could be a serious issue. Yeah. I subscribed to the New York Times and they had a great infographic article today about um, who the Capitol riot suspects were and were they trained militants. Um, and so this is, it's like a kind of a information on the data they collected through the reports from the people they arrested and like a quarter to a fifth of the people out of those 200 people or so were actually like Sorry, they, thousands being, thousands that no, no, the people thousands. arrested no the people, oh, people arrested. arrested okay sorry sorry my bad so out of the people arrested like a fifth of them were are being charged with conspiracy or assault and um and then like a like a solid quarter and this is just like visually and i'll post this link in our show notes too so you can see this article like another quarter to maybe a third um were threats property crimes and other charges and then like like a a strong majority of them are being charged with trespassing or disrupting congress only so it makes me wonder like i didn't realize that that is that is well on the low side than what i thought it would be yeah Yeah. right and um so but it does make me wonder like how many of these people in the larger group here were complicit like on accident you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) well it shows the power of like well one of like group yeah because i saw those two and and maybe that article there's an atlantic article about like the new uh the new type of uh of radicalism right-wing radicalism maybe we'll, we'll put that in the on the feed um but uh atlantic article uh but it was along it was talking about these stats and then they also like compared it to like other arrests that have been made uh around uh mostly like hate crimes but like of like right-wing um attacks violent uh sort of attacks and like it this group had far less like overt or as far as they can tell so far people who are either overt white supremacists or have connections to to white supremacist organizations or even like you know, the the kind of uh, uh, white supremacist light, like the militia movements. And even those were like a very small uh, minority. That's of true. Them. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's true. And that these but that these people did believe that the that the um, election had been stolen. And many of them said because Trump told us, right, like it's like from their own mouths, right? Like they believed that that the election was stolen, that they were defending democracy. And so at one level, I think it just shows like the possibility of like mob mentality and groupthink, you know, but it also is something coupled like with, with white supremacy, right? It's like, there's like this, like, oh, well, we like, we must be correct. There's like this thing of like, it can't be that we are wrong here, right? Like we're seeing like all of these in the larger social uh, sphere that we are in, right? It is filled with um, reparations beginning to happen, uh, even on small amounts, and just like more 
uh, airtime and more conversations around uh, uh, racism, what we uh, like all of that being like, we're, we're losing. Right. And like, it's being taken from us. Cause what you're talking about earlier, like slavery is not the, our problem. That's like in the far past. So this is like, and that whole mentality, because what was amazing is that they all thought that they were doing it right. And many of them didn't think there would be repercussions. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting maced. <laughs> I'm getting maced. What? Well, why are you getting maced? We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. It's a direct quote. <laughs> like, it's a direct quote. Like the, right? like the, the privilege needed for that. Right? Like the privilege yeah. necessary uh, for that is like incredible. Right. Like that you think. Yeah, it's insane. And like people posting on social media and like not covering their faces like that. Like that was for me how I knew these people weren't because even like extreme right wingers, like they know that they're going to be like they're going to be like trying to be found out by law enforcement like they know that if they do something like that because like they're actual like right-wing extremist terrorists right and and there are a couple people here that are not are identified yet by the way oh sure i was gonna oh yeah Yeah. for sure yeah Mm -hmm. i was gonna add unless you're you know the proud boys leader because you think you're in with the local police because you you because you've been a rat (laughs) because you've been a rat for so many years and so you know that's cool i can do whatever i want um I, i think that's i think that's really interesting tyler um and, you know, I think that we're going to continue because it was such a shocking event. We're going to continue to dissect this. Right. Who is who was there? Who should be held accountable at what level? Right. Um, but but even in doing that, it shows, I think, a level of white privilege for the group that was not given to Black Lives Matter groups in general. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, we were talking about back to the beginning of this entire conversation. Right. The big thing about Black Lives Matter is that. Outside of people who are either connected to the movement or paying attention, they view it as 100% top to bottom terrorist organization, yeah. right? The people that oh, yeah. might have, have bashed some windows and, and set fires in Minneapolis, right, or in Missouri, in Ferguson, yeah. fucking four years ago, right? They were all part of a terrorist organization aimed to take over the country. There's a lot less, I feel, on the, on the other side of people who believe that yeah. that are willing to approach it the way that we are now approaching what happened at the Capitol. Mm, right? Mm-hmm, right. Had it been the same type of response on the other side, yeah. it would have been, it wouldn't have been a quarter charged with insurrection That's right. and the rest charged with going oh, yeah. and trying right. to, you know, disrupt Congress and trespassing. Yeah. You know, it's it's clear that that wouldn't have happened. And and that's part of the discussion about the Black Lives Matter movement, really about privilege in this country that needs to be important, you know, it as we go forward. Listening to like people like AOC that was inside the building when it happened. And yeah. Just those stories of like her putting furniture up against the door and like not knowing if the police was on her side or the other side. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't know. She was like, where are you? Like they were asking like, where are you? Where are you? And like, they weren't saying anything cause she didn't know whose side this fucking cop was that mm-hmm. was supposed to be saving her. Yep. And yep. yeah, they just don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. No safety. Just, just like, yeah. you know, just like commie was a scary word in the fifties. Socialism is a scary word now. Right. It's used to just rally anybody against a different viewpoint. Well, they're trying to bring back the communist thing. I mean, (laughs) for whatever reason. (laughs) Yeah, going back to the Red Scare, I guess. Uh, uh, I I don't know how that's catching on. (laughs) Well, well, in relation to the, I mean, talking about like the litigations that were happening uh, or may are in the middle of happening. um, 
Isaac, where did it, the, the, the conversations with the ACLU go anywhere? Or how, like, where are you all at with the town now? Uh, so they didn't take the case. They, they really were just helping us to figure out what to do. So they did write the letter saying that, you know, you, you must rescind this policy or we will try to take action. It was kind of like that. And so the town did come back and said that they rescinded the policy so we can now take donations um, on any town property again. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest thing with the town that we were trying to get through to them, because they're not going to care about the Black Lives Matter. They think that's probably a terrorist group or whatever, but it's like the First Amendment right. Yeah. You know, it's you guys are are going against our First Amendment right, like public uh, freedom of speech to to take donations. So they rescinded that policy. We had since wrote them a letter saying, we appreciate you rescinding the policy and we'd like to go on as being the organizers of the farmer's market and do business as, as usual. And they came back to us and said that we will not be doing the farmer's market wow. due to COVID. Oh. And if they said mm. that they're not doing it for any other reason, that'd be retaliation. Mm. And then we would probably get the ACLU back involved or, or try to, you know, get lawyers again. But so they kind of, weaseled their way out of that one right right um right. even though we did we did put on a great market last year during covid mm. you know we had all this the protocol for the safety and everything and it went it went really well right. uh, yeah. besides this whole situation but um we're now trying to put a farmer's market on in del norte and it's going to be a, like a, a bigger event hopefully when covid's over with music and a, a beer tent and food and trying to teach kids about the river because it's going to be right on the river and and then having a farmer's market there too love it water education in colorado i love it that's a great idea such a great idea yeah so we're excited about that but uh the town of del norte isn't sure if they're going to be able to to put on any events before july um, this year because of covid as well so i'm actually going in next week to talk to them and the town board about that and and they've just been super cool. They're they're just way uh, more understanding than Southwark board is, the town board. Um, sure. We actually went in there to talk to them about this market for the first time. And all three of us, you know, Angela West and I were the, the three um, business owners of Soul Mountain Farm and organized the market. We decided to not bring up what had happened with Southwark as we were going to talk to Del Norte. And... The first thing the mayor says, like, oh, you guys are those guys that <laughs> stuck it to the South Fork on the First Amendment right. And we're like, hell yeah. And he's like, oh, you guys don't have to worry about us uh, taking down your First Amendment right here. Like, we're cool with you guys. And Sweet. Yeah, it was like a real nice thing just to to actually, like, feel comfortable and, and like, you know, have people that understand us and all that so that was cool and hopefully one of these days we'll get to put on a market there and you know we're kind of i feel bad for all the vendors at the south work market you know because a lot of that they they make their living on fridays coming to our market and things and and we decided as an organization um the three of us decided that we can't just let south work just put us down because they they just do that to whoever they want you know nobody ever stands up against them and and we were like you know what we're sick of this man like this is worth blowing up and and you know 
Wes, he was, you know, he went to high school here and he's, he's a local. And so it was, it was really tough, I think, for him to just be able to like, you know, stand up and say this in, in the town that he was raised in. He knows, you know, all the people that live here and, and, you know, that's going to affect our business and, and his, his communications with, with the community and stuff like that forever. But he's, he was like super on board, you know, and, and it's just been cool having like Angela who, who is a, you know, attorney and, and she oh, is uh, up from Korean descent too. So she's like taught us a lot about um, just, you know, how to go about doing anything about um, Black Lives Matter and, and just standing up for, for POC and, and, for our first amendment rights, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we kind of feel bad for the vendors, but there's, there's a couple different other markets in Creed and Pagosa on Fridays that they can go to. And, and, you know, a lot of the vendors understand and are, are, you know, got our back, which is cool. And we're like, you guys need to come on Thursdays to Del Norte when that gets going. Yeah, exactly. So steal them. It'll be all right. And we're, we're glad that we did what we did. Well, again, yeah. Like, awesome totally honor you for doing that that's this is the work this is what's up you know like this is uh this is this is where the change happens so hell yeah isaac so i got one more serious question for you before we wrap up um what was it like riding your bicycle from the united states down to brazil to see the world cup <laughs> oh man that was a good time also yeah. something isaac got recognized That's in right. the newspaper for <laughs> isaac bike nice. champion over here love it i almost forgot about that uh yeah that was a Throw, while back, back but we went down for the world cup in 2013 and uh we ended up sinking a sailboat in the middle of the ocean with a chicken <laughs> on board oh, no. got rescued by a huge <laughs> fuel tanker from india and whoa so good and lots of lots of crazy stories from that trip sure so uh, you do it again is what you're saying i would definitely do it again probably not go to the world cup because world cup they're pretty corrupt fifa and stuff yeah right, right building yeah. all these huge stadiums in these yeah. places that are you know home to a lot of indigenous and things like that that's right um, Kick, kicking people I've learned out of their homes since then. yeah totally yeah yeah um but it definitely opens your eyes to other cultures and i think a lot of other people should be traveling when covid's over and and just see what the other side looks like and maybe we'll help them understand a little bit more Mm. instead of just growing up and never leaving rural Mm -hmm. Colorado. That's right. (laughs) True that, my friend. True that. Or, or never leaving South Fork. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Get on a bike and just travel, man. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, nice. I think I think travel's gonna go through the roof. When oh, yeah. COVID's oh, over. Man. People oh, yeah. are so totally. stir crazy. A lot of things just... are gonna go through the roof. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was I was talking about it the other night with my brother because it was his birthday, and we were like listening to music, and we we're like, man, when people can get together for live music again, those celebrations are gonna be so insane. Yeah. When people so get together to like listen to music again in like a group setting together, the oh. energy is gonna be. Yeah crazy Dude, crazy the parties are gonna be insane <laughs> growing 20s, 20s part two here we go <laughs> yeah. jersey shore here we come all right yeah well isaac thanks so much for joining us today really appreciate it good yeah, to see thank, you thank you all you guys and good to see y'all hell you guys yeah are doing good things yeah, this thanks podcast. isaac we, we thanks, definitely brother. appreciate Likewise. it yeah very much so very yeah. much so 
Uh, remember everybody to uh, like and subscribe and uh, you know maybe if you have questions for Isaac you could post a comment and we'll ask him uh, and given that John Anderson is not here I will do the honors Godspeed guys ski with jeans just throwing that out there those guys <laughs> ski with jeans. they do ski with jeans let's pull jeans and a cowboy hat